for the listeners, um, we have James Hilliard on the call here. And uh, so, James, if you could uh, just give a quick intro to who you are and where, where you're from. and Yeah, all right, I'll jump in. Thank you. Thanks to Devin and Corey for having me on. I'm super pumped to kind of have a conversation with you today. And hopefully this will help someone. You know, you, we were talking before we came on air that we go to an event and we meet someone and you two meet. You know, so I hope that Devin is the one person that you need in your life for the rest of your life, you know, and uh, I hope you two guys become important to me too in the rest of my life. So whenever we do these things, it's still about connection. Um, so yeah, I think that's really important, a really important thing. But um, yeah, so I'm here to just help someone, one person. That's my main goal up today. So if somebody's listening and they get something out of this, great. And I'll, I'll jump into who I am. Yeah, my, my story is I grew up in, in England. I have an Irish father. I had a kind of English Welsh mother. And I was there most of my kind of teenage years and through my early working life. And I've moved myself into the United States now. And the journey, the journey is I, I went through school, did my university, you know, through gritted teeth. I didn't want to go, uh, but, I, but I did it, you know. And I, and I think that did open some doors for me along the way. And then I just jumped on the to corporate career to figure out, you know, how far can I go in a corporate career? And around early 2000s, I decided this is not what I want to do. I actually want to go and be an entrepreneur and embrace some of that spirit within me that I think there's something bigger than this. And so for four years in those early 2000s, that's what I did. Ran my own company and was a miserable failure at it. So at the end of those four years, I go back to corporate life. And for the next kind of 13, 14 years, just climb the corporate ladder with those experiences. So I think, you know, the story for anyone listening is everything that's happening for you is, is happening for a reason. To give you the knowledge and experience that you're going to need to eventually find yourself fulfilling your life purpose, the reason that you are here. And so I get to the point of 2017, 18 and quickly realize in my last corporate position, which was the most senior position I had, now's the time to be on your own again james and so after a kind of you know up and down two to three year you know journey in that role i realized you can you can be impacting much more people outside of this business than you can inside and that's not to say i wasn't helping millions of people safely put a roof over their heads in that business because that's what i did but i never got to meet them and that was the big the big thing for me so what I do now is, you know, I'm essentially a coach, a business coach for people who want to have a bigger impact with their own business in a thing that they have huge passion about. And, you know, that's been the story really of the last kind of 18 months where I've been outside the corporate arena. I did five or six months of consulting, realized that was not the thing. And for the last year, I've now been coaching. Uh, it's just fills me up. I get to meet thousands and thousands of people. Yeah, hundreds of people every day, but thousands of people on the journey. And that's why I think I can have the biggest contribution. It's also where I think I can do my best work by impacting others. And that's kind of how my, my company, the Impact Mastery Blueprint was born, is it's all about how much impact can you have while you're here? So you leave that legacy and you, know, you opened up with that. I think that was a really powerful way to open today. So yeah, that's the short story. What did I say in there that you may have further questions on? Yeah, yeah so no, I, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Devin. No, I was just going to build on that. So, 
So it's interesting, right? Because I think there's a lot of James Hilliards running around who think they've got more gas in the tank. They've got more potential, but they've got the comfort of the job, maybe a little bit risk averse. There's a lot of stuff rolling around, right? Up, upstairs. But for some reason, you got to the point where you decided to jump out of the plane, whether, whether you had a parachute or not, who knows, but you did it. And I'm just wondering, can you share with the folks what it was like for you to take the risk again, especially after you just acknowledge that you, you failed the first time or you didn't, you didn't meet expectations, however you want to frame it? How, how do you get the courage to get back up on it again and go for it? Yeah, I think it comes back down to knowledge and experience. So could I have done what I'm doing today earlier? Maybe. Could I have done it with the same gusto and the same impact? Probably not. I think I did have to have those experiences as the employee to be able to do what I'm doing today. But I, I think you're right. Yeah, I, I did a series of 20 research interviews, uh, live video interviews, one hour, 90 minutes long before I jumped because I wanted to know what is it that people are going to need most amount of help with? So they're going to want to know if they're scared and are scared about the insecurity of what might happen running their own business, I need to satisfy that for them to give them a model, a framework, a, a blueprint, if you like, that's going to allow them to figure out either how to exit their job or how to build their business or both, depending on who the individual is. So I, I deal in those spaces. But for me, it's kind of what you're asking. I've always felt like everything can be figured out as long as your philosophy is right. So the way in which you think, and I think that's, that's really what it comes down to is though in those interviews, the difference between those who are going to do this and those who are not is that the way they think their philosophy of life, and that they, and some of them are not yet aware enough to realize that their thought patterns hold them back. So that what it was for me is that I've been privileged and blessed to be in leadership and strategic positions in lots of multi-billion dollar companies. So I'd been around people who had either a really positive mindset, but I'd also been around some people who really didn't and were pretty toxic and they needed a lot to do a lot of work on themselves. And a, a lot of their success had been driven by maybe unhealthy behavior. So I think that's what it came down to is, you know, I've always had a philosophy is I'm meant for more, I'm here for a reason, let's go figure it out. And so that was the, the biggest driver was, uh, it's been a thought pattern that's been there for a long time, back to 2003, when I've always thought, you'll have more impact building your own thing that's gonna serve people. And at the time I thought that was just gonna be either in the UK or maybe in the UK and US. Now I know I'm serving people globally. So what technology has brought me is just the access to a larger market. So I can definitely make a bigger, a bigger impact, but definitely around thought processing. I think philosophy of life and what you, what you want to get out of this life while you're here. You know, and I, and I think you've probably been in those environments. You know, it sounds like that Devin, that this is what you do too, is you're, you're giving people a vehicle to actually experience experience a really meaningful, adventurous, yes, uncertain, but ultimately, you know, they can experience a lot more happiness and fulfillment from that. 
Yeah, that's, I'm just going to build on that course. That's interesting that when I got when I went out on my own, James, it's similar that we had similar paths. I actually went to the National Speakers Association meeting back when we used to gather. This is 10, 11 years ago. And I sat down with folks who I thought were thought leaders, the perception. And I had like conversations. I had a series of 15 minute conversations just to unpack and see are they much different than I am? Do they think differently? Are they have the same fears? In other words, I, I, as I look at it now, kind of what you made me think, I was gathering data, context. And so I kind of came to the conclusion that that um, these folks weren't any different than me. They didn't have extra neurons. They went through, it was part of the journey. They made a decision. They took a risk. You fall down, you get up, you learn, you iterate, and you keep going. So it's interesting for you to say that. And I could go on and on, but I'm like, wow, we have very similar journeys. And as you start to unpack that, I guess that's in some ways it's part of the process. Yeah, I, yeah. absolutely. I, that you brought up data, and I think that's important, is that the, the brain is this wonderfully complex and creative mechanism. And you hear these nauseating cliche sayings of we only use 10% of our brain, we only access 20% of our brain. It's, it's the nonsense. We use all of our brain just at different times. How you decide to deploy what, what you have inside of you is exactly as you've described is none of us are better than anybody else, but we're just, it's where we are focused. Where you focus is where your energy will be attracted to, and that's where you'll be successful. It's like some people say, well, I'm not interested in classical music. Okay, so you're never going to be good at it. I'm not interested in video games. I'm, I'm terrible at video games. Okay but I don't, I have any interest there, but where I have interests, I can flourish. So I think for the listeners, one of the thing is be interested in what you do. <laughs> so you can access all of the things that you are naturally gifted at. And I think that's you saying about data is that's something that's always been inside of me. You know, I was early on in my schooling. I remember math being something I was excited about, you know, figuring out how does the data make meaning? And I think for most people, Take a look at your life and the data in your life and how do you make meaning of that so you can create something much more powerful for other people. But yeah, I love the way you phrase that. So that's kind of interesting that, yeah, we are no, we're no better than each other. And I, I think there is this societal stigma of once you create hierarchies, people change the way they think. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the last conversations, and I don't know if you remember this, James, uh, one of the last conversations I had with you, I had just transitioned over to the new team that I, that I'm on. And, uh, you know, I was just peeking my head in your office and I was asking you some questions and you broke down, we started talking through resilience, right? And just kind of bouncing back after you've fallen, uh, kind of, you know, uh, after you've fallen hard, right? And uh, the concept of, that time frame between the fall and the the comeback uh, shortening as as you kind of grow and understand and are aware uh, and I don't man I don't know if you even remember sitting sitting me down and talking me through it but I, I it's never left since we had that conversation and I'm always being mindful of uh, how long did it take me to bounce back from this last uh, thing that that came right and um, and I found that very powerful. Is there anything, you know, that you, as you talk about leaving the most senior position you've ever had, 
to go and start this. Is there anything from a resilience standpoint that you know, like you activated in, in that moment that you still might even be using right now um, that you could shed some light on? Yeah, resilience is one you know, infamous pillar of what I, what I see in successful people is they are massively resilient and that's driven by decision, a congruent decision and their persistence to keep going. And that's kind of like what I think about with, with resilience. And, and it kind of takes you to a second R, which is relentless. That if you are relentless in your pursuit of this, you know, this meaningful pursuit of the adventure of your ultimate outcome, then you just have that. You're always charged up. You're always feeling energetic about it. And so, yeah, I think that that's one thing. And I'm going to talk to you about awareness because I think what you're asking me is about how do I how do I pivot so quickly? I, you know, Devin mentioned iteration. That's important that you realize when thing didn't, things don't work, you iterate and you go again. And that comes down to being resourceful. That's the third R. I always think about relentless, resilience and resourceful together. And being resourceful allows you to do those pivots. And I use a phrase in my business called find your kingpin. Yeah. Point where you start off thinking, I'm going to be a coach. And then you get to the point and you realize I'm not just a coach. I'm a, I want to be known for this. And then you just devote all your attention to what you want to be known for. And that's how you can elevate your status. That's how you can progress your business. But most importantly, attract the people who you are going to serve the best. And I, I think throughout all of that, I'm going to give you a really recent example of resilience and bouncing back because I, I just have a, a physical injury, but, but, one thing I've learned from one of my coaches, this goes back to the beginning of 2018. She, Denise has a name. And if she ever gets to listen, I actually probably share this with her. If she gets to listen to it, she may be listening now. Is James, you're not aware. You're not consciously aware of what is happening. So you're actually unconscious, which means you're walking around your life as a zombie. So resilience is one thing and your ability to bounce back at speed requires you to be conscious in the here and now. So your level of presence has to be super, super high. So if you are present in the here and now and you are sincerely connected to yourself, and what I mean is that having a strong connection with your heart and your brain and not just living in your head. If you live in your head, you're dead. <laughs> That's why I always say, don't live in your head, you'll be dead. Live in your heart and think about who do you need to be in the moment? And so uh, February 2nd, here's the quick story of, of resilience and thinking about how do I adjust. February 2nd, I was weightlifting, had a barbell on my back with only about 100 pounds on. I don't lift heavy weights. I might do high volume sometimes in terms of repetition, but I don't lift heavy weights. I don't want to build my body. That's not what I'm into. I just want to live as long as I can. So the more muscle on my frame, the better. The more functional that muscle is, the better. But I, I ruptured my quadratus lumborum, which is a muscle attached to your pelvis in the back. And I ruptured my erector lumbar, which is the biggest muscle on the other side of your spine. And in the, in the 20 minutes after I did that injury, I was negative self-talk living in my head thinking, oh my God, this is terrible. My business is going quick. I've really got to jump. I've got to figure out how am I going to heal so fast. And I remember being in my little weight room, which is just behind here, uh, behind us. And going down the stairs after 20 minutes, and the moment my foot hit the downstairs step, I was back downstairs. 
that conscious awareness kicked in and said, nope, this is the lesson. What are you going to do with this? How are you going to make this serve you? And what I found was really interesting is my business did wonderful things while I was injured because I'd already put some seeds in that were ready to germinate with different clients and different partners. And I experienced this incredible moment of bliss through February, which is just not like me at all. Normally, I, you know, with a physical injury, I get agitated and antsy and you don't want to be around me and downhearted and feeling bad, but you don't want those things to happen. Right. But it, it was eliminated quickly. And I think resilience comes from your ability to be consciously aware and present in the moment and realize what is this moment for? How do I take this moment? Like I, I, th- I will reflect straight after this call on what was this moment for? How do I help Corey and Devin now? They're helping me. How do I help them? You may all think I am helping you by being here, but I don't see it that way. I think about what's the reciprocal activity that we could be doing where I can help you guys out. And that's about being consciously aware of how do we move things forward together, which is, you know, think about muscle on your frame as one of the pre, pre, you know, it's one of the predictors of your long-term survival, how much physical muscle you've got that's functional. But the other one is, the other one is your community. So I'm glad to join your community and stay connected with you now because who you have around you matters and it impacts your longevity that you're with the people who want to have a big impact that want to serve the world. They want to change the planet before they leave. And that's, that's what I see in the YouTube. I look at your you know, smiling faces coming back at me here and that that's important. These things are important. So yeah, be consciously aware, live in the present moment and you'll build resilience. If you realize I don't want to live in my head because I'll be dead. That's the worst yeah. place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's fascinating about that because, you know, I, I I spent a lot of time in the research. And, and if you look at the, the, the famous nun study, right, where they had nuns who joined the convent in the University of Kentucky in the 1930s. So from a research standpoint, that's pretty compelling, right? Because nuns don't get married. They don't have kids. Same uniform, same pretty cadence is the same. So they found cardboard boxes 50 years later. Uh, and the, unbeknownst to people at the time, these nuns were keeping diaries of, of their experiences being nuns. As researchers were going through this, you made me think of this, James. They were able to discern there were some happy nuns and some not so happy nuns. Well, to your point, the happy nuns lived 40% longer than the unhappy nuns. Everything else was the same, but their mindset Right, and these unhappy nuns tended to tended to socialize with other unhappy people. So when I hear you talk about your network, or who you hang around, or who you socialize with, I think that's so significant for everyone listening. Be very careful about where you get, you know, where you get your your community, your tribe, your band. Call it what you want. So it's interesting. I mean, yeah. just for your overall well being, this matters so much. Yeah, I. I completely agree with you I, this community thing i only became aware of that really I, I already had this kind of sense of how powerful that community would be but how much the community has an impact on your ambition mm-hmm. and if you have a powerful community your ambition is dramatically higher than if you don't and so here's, here's the story that happens you know i have clients come into my business or they come and speak to me about becoming clients and i turn a lot of people away because they don't realize they're not ready yet to do what I'm going to ask them to do. 
It's one of the things I, I didn't like about corporate world is you'd sell products or services to companies without, uh, without knowing exactly what you were asking them to do. And then you'd have unhappy clients because the ask was too much. So are they ready to become a client? But I think this ambition piece is really important. You know, the, the, the setting of goals, the, the focus on giving more and always making progress, I, that's what that community's got to look like. Not that there is toxicity, there is talking about people when they're not in the room, these kind of activities and behaviors that you kind of witness. It's like, that's not what people want to hear. They, they actually want to talk about progress. How did you make progress? What's your ambition, what your goals are, but you elevate your ambition by having a bigger belief and your bigger belief comes from the people around you that inspire you and motivate you. Cause those people, if they're, if they're on your side, they'll make you angry. They won't hug you. The huggers aren't always the best inspirers. The ones who make you angry are because anger is a much fierier, more emotion that you want to get fired up. I'll show you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'll show you how this is done is a much more powerful emotion. And the way that the best motivators and maybe Devin, I, if I saw some of your content, I'm absolutely sure you'll do some of this stuff. You needle at the point of where people realize, oh, you're under my skin now. And the people who are consciously aware, they'll react. And you've probably got great success stories of people you've impacted, like Corey. Who said it. It, was, it was when you said this to me, it got under my skin and I thought, I'll show you, Buster. <laughs> that stuff is all about raising ambition. And people who care about you, they will always tell you the truth and they'll be direct and honest. And they won't do it to, you know, pee you off. They'll do it because they want the best out of you. And I love that notion you're bringing that up, that story. <laughs> the nuns, the happy nuns were the ones who were lifting the convent. And they were because they had all these others who just weren't happy. So they were the ones who'd set the progress and they set the ambition. And when people came into the convent, they'd make they'd pick their choice about who they where they wanted to hang out. You know, yeah. I do wanna I wanna uh I'll 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 bring this up here now. Because I think it was it's a good point for it. And it's important for the listeners to know with no James Hilliard in my life, there would not have been a missing perspective podcast. That's just plain and simple. And so when uh, when James was uh, at the, the company that uh, I'm currently at right now, we don't have to name drop. It's OK. Uh, I was searching i was working with a few of my friends who were on some other teams and they were encouraging me to apply for a role that was opening up on their team so they give me the rec number they send it off to me in skype and i go and i search it and rec number by the way is the number we use to uh, classify jobs internally and externally so they give me this number i search it i verify with them is this the one they're like yes so i apply for it uh meanwhile I'm waiting to uh, try and have the right kind of conversation with my leaders at the right time. So by the way, that was backwards thinking, do that conversation first, then, then apply. Um, so I did that and, and I come to find out I applied for the wrong position. So uh, 
it and I did not even find out about it until I had a conversation with James and he pulled me aside and he was like hey we saw you applied gonna let you keep going through the interview process we're not gonna strike you down or anything like that um go ahead and go for it and then he told me what I applied for and I was like wait what (laughs) this is not at all what I applied for but it was through James's encouragement um and giving me some of that feedback like hey make sure you keep your leaders close don't be afraid to have hard conversations uh, that made me very successful in this role. And then I ended up getting the job that I accidentally applied for. Uh, and it is, it, it, and then that is what allowed me to come to the workshop that Devin ended up facilitating uh, for that weekend. And here we are, right? So James, you, you played a huge part, you know, um, through the encouragement and, and your, your constant feedback as well too, and being available uh, whenever I was like, man, I'm not sure if I'm over in the right place. You know, <laughs> every every once in a while, it was just those little conversations, maybe a little interaction in the hallway or something like that, uh, that would encourage me to just keep pressing forward. So it is, it is you, you have been making such an impact uh, throughout your career. I'm sure there are multiple stories out there of people who probably haven't even had a chance to tell you how much of an impact you've made on their career. And so you, you have definitely uh, made that impact in uh, myself and my children. The listeners, I'm sure, uh, are, are very, very grateful for, uh, for you, man. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to have you on here and, and, and keep, you know, we can have more and more conversations um, around that. But the hard conversation parts, uh, starting to learn that. Right, because when I when I first knew you were coming to come talk to me about it, I was like, "Oh my God, what's going to happen? Should I, should I take off work sick so I don't have to have that conversation?" Like trying to figure out any way possible to avoid that hard conversation. But it is through that that we learn more self awareness. Um, and would you? Is there anything else that you can encourage or uh, kind of bring out in that hard conversation points? Right, because sometimes those are the pivotal moments in our lives and maybe even in our careers. Um, and if we shy away from them, we might miss an opportunity or, or something. Um, I don't know. Do you guys, do you guys get what I'm going with here? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. I, and I think, are you referring to the conversation we had in that little library? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, yes. And I remember it clear as day. Here's what's important about how I set the tone though for that relationship is I didn't come to you as your boss. I came to you as a friend to say, hey, this is awesome. And you have an opportunity to progress. And I could never understand why you were doing what you were doing anyway. So I was really glad to see you do the jump. But what I, what I wanted to set the tone on, and this is kind of difficult conversations. I always have this model of, you want both people to walk away smiling. Whatever happens. So you've got to figure out what's going to, what's going to make your person, your adversary, your negotiator, whatever is going on, figure out how do you get both people walking away smiles on their faces. If you're not one of that people, by the way, you, you are not consciously aware. You're unconscious about the impact you have on other people. And also, if you're not willing to return to the conflict or the sharp edges, as I call it, then you're also holding yourself back. And there'll be people listening to this who know me, maybe, will say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, your response to what I just said is also the reason why you need to have a conversation with yourself. 
But I hope you're leaning into that and realizing that, yeah, conflict is to be embraced, but to understand why the conflict and then to look, seek the resolution, knowing that we're all human, nobody's better than each other, we should be walking away with smiles on their faces. And so I went into that as your friend. Hey, I'm here to give you some counsel as a friend. I've made this mistake. Doing things behind the scenes without being transparent and not acknowledging it with the, the people we are closest to who value us is not a productive way to behave. So I remember that really clearly. And, and just because I could share with you, it didn't work out well for me either. You end up with this kind of frosty relationship. And what you really want is people smiling rather than if one's smiling and the other one's unhappy, it's not a good place to leave it. And so for, for all of the people I've, I may have walked away smiling or just kind of flat smile and they are unhappy. You know, I always say to them, the door is always open to come back to me and get to the point where we can establish our footing around the right expectation setting so we can both walk away smiling. We may never decide to do anything together again, but we should close the door on the sharp edge and have a smiling, two smiley faces, just, you know, because there's no worse phrase in the world there, no hard feelings. Because what do you got to think about to write or say that? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, so it drives me nuts when people use these defensive language patterns that actually mean the complete opposite of what they're saying. You know, it's, and there are other ones, to be honest. Well, were you not being honest before you just said that? Because now I don't know what was true and what's not. Don't say to be honest. Don't say to be fair. Don't say <laughs> phrases like that that are going to get you into trouble. You know, and one of them is no hard feelings. Yeah, eliminate that from your vocabulary. You don't want to be, you know, and um, that was the way I approached that conversation. But yeah, I know exactly what you're going at. But yeah, I embrace people. You have to embrace conflict. You have to get to the point where this person you are engaged with is built of, you know, almost exactly the same matter and atoms that you are. You've got to get to that point of realizing, if I don't leave this in a good spot, it will tarnish my relationship, it will tarnish my reputation. And that reputation piece is what people say about you when you're not in the room. In the room. Yeah, no, that's you really want, yeah, Devin, you jump in. No, so I was gonna say, so I think for the folks listening, so I think, um, and again, I'm going to make a generalization here just a little bit. So I think people probably get it maybe cognitively. Yeah, we got to take risk, right? I got to be more confident. I got to believe in myself. But, you know, I also, people also get that you have to eat well and exercise and they don't do that either. They can <laughs> right? find time, but they can't find time to drink beer and wine. Yes. Right. So it's, yeah, it's exactly right. So I'm curious. So. You know, uh, and I think sometimes we make presumptions that like you have a superpower that, you know, that like it doesn't take effort or work. Is there any, I guess what I'm asking you is, is there anything that you can share that you do to fill your cup? What is, what do you do to stay energized and excited? I mean, cause you're human, you live on earth, we're in a pandemic, you got hurt. Like it's not your bulletproof. Like, you know, and I hate leaders who try to get up and act like they're not, then they don't, they don't. They can't, like, they don't have real issues. Like, they just, you know, because I think people are going to listen to this sometimes presume that people like you and Corey fall on top of the mountain. They don't realize the grind. They don't realize the, the, the struggle. So I'm just curious. That's a lot to chew on. But what do you do to stay 
you know, positive? What do you do for self-care? What do you do to fill your cup to be the best version of you? The, the biggest positivity comes from, I've got a reason why I'm doing what I'm doing and I have an infinite vision. What I mean by that is a vision that scares the life out of me that I will try my entire life to achieve. And the reason is I now, I'm now married and I have a son, five-year-old son. Two things that I never thought would happen, even as late as 35 years old, 36 years old. All this has happened, you know, way beyond most people at that time. Have, they've either been married and they may, yeah, Corey, you maybe were married and had kids way before that time. And uh, I've just lived my life differently, but I've always had this vision and notion of there's got to be more. And so that's what drives it. But as it comes to self-care, yeah, I've learned very, I've learned an inordinate amount about self-care as an entrepreneur that I didn't really, I always knew go to the gym, eat well, exercise, you know, meditate. And I think there are lots of employees that do those things, but what they're not doing them is doing them with the goal in mind. And what's he, what is the goal? And I think about my 21 year old self thinking about, it would be great if I lived to 80. Well, my 47 year old self does not think that one bit. My 47 year old is thinking, you're not even halfway. What's the next 50 years going to look like? How are you going to take care of yourself? And so what I do is I do an inordinate amount of reading and study around the topic of neuroscience. So I really want to understand how the body's working. I was no scientist at school. Despite the love of data, I wasn't very good at science. So I've studied the neuroscience. I study the doctors and what they're saying about longevity. And then what does that mean for what I put, what I put in my mouth? And what does it do for, what does it mean for how I carry my body and really treat it the right way? Uh, so the obvious examples is I take breaks from things all the time. So right now, no alcohol this year, don't plan on drinking any alcohol. So I'll just take breaks and I don't put times on it. I don't, I don't say I'm going to take a month. I don't, you know, some people say I'm going to do dry January. I'm not going to drink for a month. Then on the 31st of January or the 1st of February, they drink their body weight in liquor and you, and you think, okay, so what, what the, any recovery your fatty liver got, you've just destroyed it because it's going to take that liver now five to seven days to rec recover, but the damage is done. And, and people don't realize what impact, you know, if you, if you follow, uh, can I name drop? Am I allowed to do that? You can let me do that. Yeah. 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 So three, three people I'm, I'm very engaged with, or well, four people, really four people that I'm really engaged with to kind of follow and, I like reading their content. Now I, I've not subscribed. I have no affiliation with these guys, so I'm not promoting them. Uh, but you know, I know Joe Dispenza has kind of been very powerful for my meditating, my meditations. I think Peter Attia as a doctor and what he's doing around fasting and longevity is fascinating. Peter Attia, MD. And then uh, David Sinclair wrote a book called Lifespan, and that kind of changed my whole perspective about what does this mean to be around a lot longer. And then the, uh, the last gentleman is a neuroscientist called Andrew Huberman. Uh, his, his Instagram handle is Huberman Lab. Those four people, what the work they're doing and the impact they're having on the world for, for me is at another level from where I, I'm at. And, and they're all in that age range of 40s and 50s, right? So they are the, the ideal category for me for people who've decided, yeah, let's be around as long as we can. How much impact can we have? It's going to take an inordinate amount of self-care. And one thing I coach in my program is you've You've got to think about yourself first. It's like, put your mask on before you try and put masks on others. You know, you get on the plane and they uh -huh. say, put your own mask on before assisting others. 
you got to do that in your life. And a lot of people don't. You, Devin, you said it. You know, people, uh, they can't find time to exercise, but they can find time to go to the liquor store on the way home, pick up the six pack, and then have the challenge of how many am I going to get done today? And set themselves that as the exercise. And that, I'm, I'm not saying for people not to do anything, you know, not to have vices and guilty pleasures. I was eating a bunt cake yesterday. So I eat cake, you know, so, but, but I take breaks from things like chocolate, just taking things from that. But yeah, meditation is important for me. Uh, walking is important for me, making sure I get 20 to 30 minutes every day of walking. You know, what that does, does for movement. And the reason I'm doing it is more about sunlight, that I get that 20 to 30 minutes of sunlight being outside. I, I'm fierce about my sleep, that I always ask people to sleep between seven and 10 hours and figure out for them what the amount is, because that's your kind of foundational pillar for how you how you perform each day depends on how well you've cleaned your brain at night, how, how well you've washed your cells. And a lot of that cellular recovery doesn't take place until you're way past five and six hours. People don't realize that. You don't start cleaning your system until you are into the seven hours and beyond. You don't want to go too far. You go 10 hours and beyond, you're sleeping too much. There could be some other um, issues going on. But these are the things that, you know, I, I really hang my hat on is resistance training, walking, sunlight, daylight. I have a vitamin regi regime. I'm supplementing my diet. I'm, I'm about 90% vegan, by the way. So I eat a little bit of fish, salmon mainly, once or twice a week. But 90% of what I eat is, is either you know, green, a vegetable, a fruit. Uh, and that's kind of how I'm living my life. You know, I, I don't do a lot of big starch carby meals, um, but I don't do super high protein either. You know, I'm not, I'm not one of those people who's like, you need a pound of, you know, a gram of protein for every pound of body weight. I'm, I'm, that's just not me. And by the way, I don't subscribe to it. So I'm like, well, you, you could take that much protein. It's going to have different impacts on different people. Yeah. So, the notion of one size fits all, again, I think Devin, this is important. People need to understand you are so unique genetically. And if you do not understand your genetic SNPs, I have two genetic SNPs. There's an amino acid I can't process and I can't process vitamin D. Well, take a look at my skin. Mm. I don't process vitamin D well, which means I need an awful lot of it. Because I, and so I take up to 10,000 I use per day. People think I'm nuts. I have to because my genetics aren't built for that. So I did the study in that. I went and did my, you know, my genetic, I look at my genome and see what's going on. Vitamin D and then some amino acids that don't process well. I have to take supplementation for that. And, and the difference by taking the, one amino acid was lysine. Taking lysine as an amino acid for me, that's changed my life. I know I no longer have any of the skin issues that I had before. I have no longer have some of the lethargy and the inflammation that I had before. You know what the power of some of these amino acids when you understand what they can do is really powerful but yeah i think you know you're getting me on a topic that i'm really passionate about and i really want my clients to understand that if you are not in good health and you don't have good energy it's going to be very difficult for you to build a successful business you know you do you need to be in shape to build a business well round is a shape Right. <laughs> so you can be round and you can build a business. It's a, for me, it's about longevity. And it's also because, yeah, I want to bring the right level of energy to my clients and to my people I'm talking to. I want them to say, you have so much energy. And it's like, yes, from within. It generates from within. This is uncaffeinated, no caffeine. 
That's just how I operate, you know, and, and I, I want people to understand that. I take breaks from caffeine too. I do drink caffeine, but I cycle it so that I don't burn my adrenals out with the amount of stress that I may be under. So yeah. I, I love the, uh, you know, you're, you're referencing the understanding of, of yourself and, uh, you know, your, the biology makeup of, of yourself, being aware of that. And it, it, it made me also think about, you know, just like how you were saying, there are certain things you can't process. Uh, there's sometimes, uh, you know, people might look at me, you know, uh, swinging from the chandeliers most of the time. It's just my kind of my personality or or you, James, as well. And, and the way um, you you view the world and the way you see it and, and as well, it's you too, uh, Devin. And I know that oftentimes people can look at us and be like, oh my gosh, you know, they have the secret sauce. They've always had it. They were born with it, right? Um, or they are, They look at us and they're like, man, I need to be exactly like those people and not realizing that, no, there's, a, you have a baseline, you have your own, right? It's all about discovering what that is and, and then activating that and, and operating in it, leveraging it because, you know, one of the things we believe in this house here is that uh, happiness is an advantage. So let's let's use it to our advantage uh, to continue to perform and, uh, you know, tackle the things that we have to, uh, whether that's in the house or in the school, you know, and, and, and just let us exude that. And so uh, I found it, find it interesting, too, that from a biological standpoint, physically, you have these these things, too. And then mentally, we have these things that we might not be paying attention to because either someone didn't teach us or it wasn't normalized right at the family table, but these are important too. So, you know, it's not going to look like the same for everybody. And, and that's why we're never trying to prescribe some kind of yeah. general happiness pill for anybody. Um, but that there are some positive emotions that we can draw on. Can uh, I, can I jump helps. in on that? Can I jump yeah, in? Go on ahead. Go ahead. Like maybe I, I spiked a thought in Devin earlier, you've just spiked one in me, is that when people ask me why I'm happy, there are two reasons. One is I choose to be happy. The other one is I love what I do. So that's kind of the first thing. Some people have a hard time, like, you know, cognitive, they might understand that. But they have a hard time knowing, well, how do I start to choose happy and love what I do? And for me, that's, that, that started through processes of just the moment of waking up. Because what normally happens for most people, and I, this is a very high percentage, when your eyes open each day, within a matter of milliseconds, your old operating system starts. Just like Windows or a Mac machine, whatever that is, your operating system starts straight away. If you want to run a new one, you need to start in the morning. So when you woke up, you need to start observing your thoughts and not being your thoughts. And so that was a big thing for me as observant of what do I think about when I wake up? And typically it was all the stuff and all the stress that I had. Oh, I got to go to work and I got my boss is expecting this from me and I've got that report to do and I've got a team of people dependent on me and I got to look after my wife and my kid needs to be dropped off to school and I got to go shopping today. Oh, and the dishwasher's broken. So I got to wash the dishes, all these things is the old programming. Now here's what's wrong with it. Oh, here's what's really damaging. That thought creates a behavior at a cellular level in our bodies. 
And you'll know listening, you know, for the listeners, if you're listening to this, when you wake up and you run that negative old operating system, you're programming your cells throughout your entire body to do the same things every single day. And you'll know if you are one of these people, and I was, I'm guilty, you move in the same way. You do the same routines. You may pick your phone up and start scrolling, checking out of your life immediately because the stress was too much. Well, let me just look at my phone and see what, who, what emails and messages have I got and start scrolling. Or you may get up and you go into the bathroom and you splash your face with water and you do the same routine every single day. Then you go through the day with the same methodology. This is where my coach really got me angry. When I realized this, I realized I was a walking zombie. I was not happy. And it motivated me to change my life. But so much so that most of us eat the same 20 foods every single week. We don't think about what is it that we're actually consuming. So not only are our thoughts processing our behavior, which creates an action, which has then become second nature, the cells in our body vibrate at the same operating system and force us to do the same things because it's all second nature. When you become truly conscious aware, and I think Devin probably has a great experience at this space, when you're observing who you are, then you can start to replace those thoughts with who you want to be. And you can put in empowering questions like, who do I want to be today? Who needs me to be on my A game today? How do I take the happiness advantage and use that today to my advantage? And I think lovely what you said, that's one layer on top of that is, we have this ability with this wonderful, complex and creative brain to get these concepts and then implement them so we can change, dramatically change our own lives. And when we do that, we change the world. When you change one person, so I'm, you know, thank you for your comments earlier. You change one person, you're a different person than you were when I had that conversation with you. You're not even the same human. You're nowhere near the same human. So I know that that just changed one person what is Corey's impact? You know, I can tell your story to everyone. Hey, I used to work with this guy, Corey. Let me tell you about him. And I've done that, told people the story. That's important that now you're making a massive impact on other people. For every James Hilliard, for every Corey McLaurin, there are lots of other people out there saying, have you met Corey McLaurin? Because you've had that same impact. What happened is your operating program or your operating system is attractive. People want to be around that stuff. And so you'll reprogram it. When you reprogram it and you get it completely congruent to who you really are, wonderful things happen. And a lot of people don't realize they're so far away from who they really are that they've got a lot of reprogramming to do. But I love the way you, you brought it up. It made me think about that process. And that was a big part of the last three years for me. Yeah. Yeah, get, that's powerful. Get back to who I am. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Because uh, if I look at my own experience and some others, we're almost in a lot of cases, and again, I hate generalizations, we're almost socialized not to be who we are. We're kind of socialized to fit in, go to the university, get an internship, get the job, right? Move up, save in your 401k, do the requisite stuff, buy a little house, get a starter car. And yeah, you guys got me on this. Look back, you're 65. You get a ham and a bun cake and some guy that pats you on your head and a bunch of random people come in the break room who you don't know and act like they're interested. And then you look back and you go, well, you guys, 
but it's interesting that so many people I have met had that journey and they go, wow, I wish I would have had the courage to, to do something different, but they don't. And I, and I, so this is fascinating for me to hear different iterations of it, different people along the journey. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the corporate journey, but what I'm suggesting is if you want to make a bigger impact to what you're suggesting, James, right? And you want a legacy, talking about legacy here, where you affect change on multiple levels. Sometimes it's being consciously conscious. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. Reevaluating. And I just, that's, that's so powerful that you unpack that for everybody today. Yeah, that yeah, you, you spiked another thought is that you're absolutely right. There's nothing wrong with the corporate journey if you're okay playing a game in a narrow lane. It's like driving on freeways or highways and knowing you're not allowed to change lane. Yeah. Just gotta keep going in the same lane. The challenge is, and this is for men, women, you got other bigger things to, to think about as the primary caregivers, most of you, but for men, we have this incredible cliff that we're driving towards the end of because your chances of success in the narrow lane are infinitesimally small. And it's, it's, it's just something to grab hold of. You know, I kind of realized what are my chances of becoming CEO? Well, I was fortunate enough to know that it was good. It was not if it was more when, but only in the narrow lane. So I wouldn't have the opportunity to touch into different things until I made a decision to step to an adjacent industry or move to a different lane and do something differently. Now in what I do, I'm able to drive in all lanes and I can tra travel in both directions, in any direction. You can't do that necessarily in the corporate career, but that's okay if all you want to do is just keep moving forward and your biggest core value in life is some level of safety. But it does mean that you'll never, it's not you're gonna have a meaningless life, but your meaningful life isn't gonna be explored. You didn't explore the meaningful life. Yeah, let's let's make sure we say that because the meaningful, like, because you could be missing, there are tons of things, let's just say that, that's for sure a fact. There are tons of things that you're gonna be missing as far as the opportunities and the doors and the possibilities of things. One thing I want to uh, uh, share is that uh, the unique thing about what I'm doing now is that I'm doing a lot of things that were never clearly defined in my job uh, that are now kind of the, um, uh, the the pinnacle of what I do. It's what I love. So a lot of people are always like, Corey, man, when I get on these global calls, they're like, oh, you must love what you do. And I'm like, I, I honestly do. But the thing for me was that I always wanted to figure out a way to weave in what I was passionate about into my nine to five. And I've been, I've figured it out and I'm still always trying to figure out other ways to do so, complete the mission as well as sprinkle a little bit of seasoning salt on it too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and, and that's why, you know, I, I've talked about this a couple of times on the podcast, but honestly, one of my passions is music and then creating some kind of visual video that, you know, makes me feel like I'm Hans Zimmer scoring the Batman movie, 
and, I, and I've literally translated that into, uh, into my work. So that's how I'm getting trainings done at work and things like that. And, and you can tell, like, I, I just love that part of what I'm doing so much that um, my, my children are, are involved on that side of it in our personal life and they're making videos and they're doing the same things. And, and so you can really, you can in the corporate side uh, be doing something that you love, you you can find meaning in in your in your job, and it's okay, totally. Um, I always I always say that uh, I'm not necessarily an entrepreneur; I'm an intrapreneur. So I'll help build a business as if it is my business as well, too. I'll come in and be a part of making it flourish. Uh, and I, I think there's room and space for everybody to see or be able to experience everything. Uh, they've just got to be a uh, conscious and aware enough to to do that. Yeah. So anyway, I just want to add a little bit more color because. Yeah, it, yeah, I think you're you're reaffirming what we're talking about. If you are, yeah. if you can be yourself and bring the greatest gifts to what it is that you do, you will love it. Yeah. You know, I Absolutely. think um, our, our mutual friend Ed loves what he does in the narrow lane, but he yeah. loves it, and he's able to bring his natural gift to that lane. So I, I think that's important that for those people listening, you know, one, one thing to take away from today is, am I going to embrace my gifts and bring them to what I'm doing? Or am I going to take my gifts and bring them to what I should be doing? Uh, mm. And let me change that shit to what I must be doing. Because yeah. if you don't, that gift is worthless. Let that resonate for a minute. Mm -hmm. If you have gifts and you are not sharing them with this world, they are worthless. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's probably lost powerful. a few. Probably lost a few listeners there. No, 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 no. no I mean, not that's at all. Powerful, not at all. Though, right. I mean, so, I mean, one. You know, I heard. So, I think we're all gifted. Some of us never open up our presence. Right. So, I mean, think about that. If we walk away and we all bring, because I think about it. I think sometimes we use like words like gifts. So, to me, I look at gifts as, uh, you know, a byproduct of our experiences a byproduct of the collective humanity, the journey. I mean, even at like, when I reflect back on a conversation you had with Corey, you didn't know at the time that that was going to be, I imagine, a significant monumental impact in his mindset shift. You were just, you were being you, you, you created a little space, you told him the truth at that moment. You could have, you could have, you could have said, hey, Corey, I don't have time, I'm busy. But you opened up a gift. You see what I'm saying? And I think sometimes we discount our ability to affect change. And sometimes having a quiet conversation, whether it's in the library or in a Starbucks, it matters. Yeah. Every time. Yeah, I, I think we haven't talked much about relationship or connection today. But your ability to be a relator and connector, that's important. You know, that's what you're talking about there is knowing all the knowledge and experience you've got. Relay that and connect with people who need it. Yeah. Because everybody's got, everyone has to honor their struggle. But don't think you're the only one not struggling. Think about how can you take what you know and gift or give that present to somebody else. And that, that, that comes with relation and connection. How well you relate and connect with other people. Yeah, wonderful, love that. Yeah. And we, and we need that too. Uh, I think it was in um, Big Potential, Sean Acor mentions the, the idea that uh, our mind significantly changes 
how steep a hill is when we're looking at it by ourselves. Um, and that research showed that uh, those who feel like they're looking up a hill or a mountain, uh, the mind adds maybe 10 to 20% more um, difficulty to being able to scale that mountain versus when you add just one more person to that um, you know, outlook and you, you both are looking at it together, the mind tends to make it even easier and you can see yourself overcoming it. So there's power in that network. There's power in having the right community around you, the right relationships with you. Uh, so, so as you are struggling um, and you are uh, pouring out as well as you're going through the struggle and learning, you've also got people that are looking at the mountains with you and, and you see some way of being able to overcome it. But that, that network is so powerful. I'm gonna, build, I'm gonna build on that. I told someone the other day, I said, if you look around in your network, if they're not inspiring you, motivating you, challenging you, encouraging you, pushing you, you don't have, you don't have a circle, you have a cage, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, you don't. And I, I, so both of you, I hear your stories today. I'd like people to look around your network. Who are you socializing with? Are they, are they pushing you? Are you uncomfortable? Are they, are they recommending books and workshops? Are they suggesting how you eat, what you digest? I mean, all whatever that collective best version of you yeah. So when we talk about that stuff, James, you made me think about that. I, I almost think sometimes you need to do an audit, do an audit of your of your inner circle. Not to say mm. they're bad people, but are these the people that are going to help you be the best version of you? Do you have people in your network who are taking you to places that you haven't been before? Kind of like your mountain analogy, right? If you look at the mountain, it looks higher when I'm alone. But if I have James next to me, the brain starts to feel like, realize like, oh, we got this. this and the only cool. difference yeah. is I got a wingman. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like uh, word etymology and studying where words come from. You, you've, we talked about relate just then. But I'm going I'm to finish this with connection. But, but the relate is to bring things back, to bring that experience back and bring it to somebody, right? But connection is about binding together. And that, what does that come from? If you look up kind of what, what, where bind or where connection comes from, that actually means unite. And, and unite is one. <laughs> so when you think about what Devin just said, yeah, your, your community has to be beating as one. And if it's all disintegrated and fragmented and you don't have somebody cheering you, and, and cheer is, uh, means a good mood. If you don't have someone putting you in a good mood, that, that's a challenge, right? That's exactly what you're talking about is study the language you use and study the, what does it all mean? Well, having people cheer you on, <laughs> you've got to have that because it's going to create that good. We, this is all about happiness, right? We've been talking about yeah. this advantage. Having people cheer you on matters. And so if you're listening to this and you don't have someone cheering you on, likely is you're not in a very good mood. In fact, when people say, uh, I don't need a cheerleader, you know, sometimes I'm like, uh, I do. I don't, uh, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and not just to be filled up with fake and false, you know, sense of purpose or anything like that. But honestly, to your point, it's needed uh, you because we need to be able to lean on each other. And honestly, sometimes, you know, it is the cheering on of someone that's very close to us that that we need it to carry us to the next 
Well, we'll look at that. You know, I noticed like uh, when the NBA rolled out the season last year in Orlando and there were no fans and then there was a couple of interviews at the beginning. They asked them how it was. And it was fascinating that the NBA guy said, yeah, it wasn't the same because we didn't have anybody cheering us on. And I thought to myself, here's a guy who's at the top 1% in his craft making seven figures a year. And even he, multiple he's, are very conscious that I, I even need someone, like an un, but un, I doesn't even know who he or she is, but the environment feels different when I don't have someone telling me, you can do this. Do it. I got you. I see you. So I started to think, well, if they need it, don't we all? In your own authentic way, someone to whisper that, that you, I believe in you. I see more in you. Keep yeah. going. Whatever those yeah. words, whatever. Yeah. And cheerleaders cheer even when the, 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 the team's losing the game, man. They're consistent. So, listen, that, that's big. I, I, I like that, man. That's, that's really good. So, question for you, James. I see the guitar behind you. Not sure if that's yours or not. But one of the things we also ask people if, uh, you know, is one thing pe most people don't know about you would be... I do play classical guitar. That's a 12 string. And so that's kind of my, let me play some 1990s alternative Britpop music to myself. I am no singer and I am no classical musician or rock musician, but that's just a kind of moment to escape, to do those wow. things. Wow. Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 What, I, what do I answer? I normally answer this is that... Uh, I don't have the body for running long distances, but I did run three London marathons. And three I, London marathons? Yeah, I ran the London marathon three times. And, and I advise anyone to run one marathon because, because we've been talking a lot about consciousness, you know, and consciousness mean, is a meaning of, uh, you know, aware of what we're all doing wrong. When you run a marathon, you go through such an emotional low and an emotional high that you, you have to have a conversation with yourself. It's much more mental than it is physical. You know, the, the body has no, you know, look, there's guys running 100 kilometers in a weekend, right? There's no challenge on the body here. This is a, a mental, you know, a mental challenge for us. Yeah. Yeah, so I always say that because I, I want people to know that my advice for you, if you need to have a conversation with yourself, is go and spend three to five hours running 26 miles. <laughs> and, and in that last two hours, in that last two hours, you'll be having the conversation you need to have with yourself about what achievement really is. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I take a lot. I take a lot from that experience of doing those. And, and I and I knew when I did the first one, I said I'm never doing that again. And then two years later, I'm back. And after the second one, I was so disappointed with how it went. I went back again. I'll show you London Marathon. I'll be back. <laughs> I don't think that was good enough. So then I became competitive with it. But, you know, I, I, when I did the last one, I remember saying, I'm never doing this again. Because it really is. Um, you you got to dig deep. You know, and yeah. I, I admire anyone who's done it. It's a, it's a tremendous experience. And it's, it's aligned to a lot of what we've been talking about today. That you'll, you know, we talked about resilience at the beginning, and, you know, our resources and our community. You run a marathon, one of those, definitely one of those big city marathons. That's a community of people that you can get around. And, that, and boy, oh boy, in the London Marathon, the support is incredible. 
So yeah, a one top tip. If you're going to run a marathon, make sure your name is printed on your t-shirt. <laughs> and you'll get a lot of people cheering you on. People cheering. <laughs> ah, there you go. Hearing, hearing your name all around the course is the best thing ever. Yeah. You know, that's so fascinating. I don't want to go on a tangent, but I, was, I forgot who I was reading about someone who was running a marathon and they tell the story how there was a, again, there was a tipping point in the race where the demons start coming in, where you're, you're like, you can't, you're, you're, you, you the finish line yeah. is with, you're there, but you're not there. Then you start rationalizing. Well, you did, you know, you ran, you know, you ran 21. That's pretty good for your first time, even though 26, you know, you're, and so the, 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 the gentleman says the story of how he was about to quit and he was rationalizing how he wasn't going to keep going because he did 21. It was his first race. No one thought he could do 21. And unbeknownst to him, as he looked ahead, there was a, a young lady handing out with her right hand a cup of water to him and saying and gave him some words of affirmation, like, you can do this, said something to him, and it like it jump-started his operating system. And yeah. some random woman with a cup of water gave him a little bit of something at like 21 something and he finishes and he tells the story how you never know <laughs> to your point. Yeah. You right? never know how close you are to success. Yes. And, he's, and he uses that as an, like, he's just like a random woman who I'll never see again. I don't even know her name. Has no idea how she made me finish five more miles because she believed in me and I couldn't, I couldn't find the wherewithal to believe in myself. Yeah. 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 Which I think is powerful. Love that. It is powerful. It is powerful. I got a question. Last question, James. May I, so if someone was to, this is a little bit different. If they didn't know you and they wanted, how weird are you? Weird? Yeah. You say weird? <laughs> yeah, weird. Like, what do you do that they wouldn't like if, it, if they if they didn't know something about you? What would be something that people wouldn't necessarily know? Something of interest, or maybe something you did in your childhood, or something that's just a little bit off the reservation here. What's yeah, guilty well, pleasure or whatever maybe? Okay, so so I'm I'm not sure I'm weird. I'm not easy to live with. I don't know how my wife does it. You know, I have a series of failed relationships, you know, where things really didn't go well. And I now know you were part of the recipe of that, James. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I, but I actually think there's been all these things that I've been unwilling to admit before um, about, you know, I smoked way too many cigarettes in my life and some other herbal remedies too, right? And I started to share that with people because... So why would I not tell people about that? You know, I'm not this pristine character. And the, the other thing that I've started to tell recently is the story of my 13-year-old self caught for shoplifting. Uh, you know, and, and the story is like this. This is kind of this kind of weird thing, but I want to express to people, hey, don't hide the things you're ashamed of. I was ashamed of that event for so many years, and I know exactly why. But what I do now is just tell people, hey, you know, you, we do things that we didn't know at the time when we're being unconscious, that, that we feel that we realize, oh, this was the wrong thing to do, but we didn't, we hold on to it for so long. So I held on to that moment for so long. Uh, but, I, but I tell people about the story now because it's a lot about who I am. When you ask, why did it happen? Well, I'm from a divorced 
you know, my mom and dad were divorced a year or two before that event. Is that the sole reason? No, it's not the sole reason. My community were egging me on, my peer group. So yeah, I was in with the wrong crowd. But I want people to kind of hear that, that yeah, we all make massive mistakes. And the sooner you get to the point of stop making excuses and start taking ownership for your life, that's going to take you in a, a very different direction. So I, I think the weirdest thing about me is, is uh, that I'm, I'm actually very difficult to live with because I'm a, I'm a fierce competitor and I'm, I'm sometimes just a little bit too much energy for my wife because she's not a morning person. <laughs> and, uh, and i am and i missed it i got my operating system mapped out let's go let's go yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh, that's so good i love that <laughs> all right so we're at the top of well yeah we're at the top of the hour here and uh is there anything you'd like to leave the people with um any anything they should be looking forward to uh coming from you and your oh by the way and drop the name of your uh coaching business as well too yeah so i'll start there so the the business is called the impact mastery blueprint but to find me it's just you can find me on linkedin at james hilliard you can find me on facebook at james hilliard you can find me on instagram at real james hilliard is my handle there and so if you do want to have a conversation on anything you heard today and some of this connected with you and, and you're that one person you know i'm looking for one person to be connected with from today um, i get you too which is great i reconnect with corey and now i get to meet Devin and have a long conversation uh, you know what would i want to leave people with i want you to i want people to be thinking about more about what their infinite vision is for themselves and their lives and that is the one that they have now you know because one thing i hear well i'm not really passionate person are you kidding me I'll set fire to your feet and we'll find out how passionate you are. <laughs> so a lot of people don't realize that they are passionate, but you've just got to do, you've got to introduce the right stimulus. So if people are interested, if you're one of those people listening and you don't know how to uncover your life's work and you don't under, understand how you're going to be passionate or have the happiness advantage, you know, stick around you two guys or, or come to me and we'll talk about that. But, it, you know, I, I think what I want to leave people with is I, I hope what you've heard today is enough, enough ammunition or information that's going to get you to do something and that you're going to set that up for the long game. You're not just going to try, oh, I'm going to try it. No, don't try it. You're going to set up your ambition and your goal and your vision for what you're going to achieve in your life. So when we play that video back on the day of reckoning for you, you've left your legacy, you were loved intensely and you don't feel what you may, you may not be feeling this now, but you, you know, you know that you really, really matter to people. And so it's more about that. I'd, I'd like people to take that. And that that's the perspective I'm bringing is the impact, you know, master your impact on the planet before you're, you're done. And there is no tomorrow. A lot of people have this kind of misunderstanding of where they live. And if you're running that old operating system, you are living in your past. If you are posting photos of your past consistently on social media, you are living in the past and it is pro-depressive. You know, I, I think we've talked a lot about presence and being in the moment right now and being consciously, you know, consciously conscious. 
that is so critical to what, what people will need to be if they want to get what they want. Because the tomorrow is not uncertain. We know that. You know, Devin mentioned the pandemic. There is no guarantee you will be here tomorrow. So to have any fear of the future, we didn't even talk about fear. I can talk about that too. But, but to have any fear or anxieties about the future doesn't make sense. So I'll leave with this statement. 99% of the fears that you have will never happen. Fact. They'll never play yeah. out the way you think about it. They'll never even happen. They're just, they're just not real. It's just a different virtual reality that you've created for yourself and the reason you don't do what you want. But when you're connected to yourself and your heart, you're congruent, you're centered, you're, you're clear that you choose happiness and fulfillment is what you want. That's a choice, a conscious choice. So yeah, that's, that's how I'd leave it. Um, no better way to go out than that. Yeah, no fears. Yeah, absolutely. No, no need for fear. Let fear drive you and observe it. Just say, hey, fear happens. I have fear, but I don't let it, I don't let it control me. So I, I think, yeah, man, that, thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, for ending with that. Uh, I think everybody's also wondering when's the book coming out, James, when's the book coming out? So <laughs> isn't it uh, funny you said that? Cause I got my book on screen. <laughs> so it's funny. I, I started writing my book a while ago mm -hmm. and I'm pushing some of my clients to write their books because they want to use that as the authority builder. Uh, so I will have a book. Um, I have 50,000 words done on manuscript. So it, I don't know is the answer. It's not my primary focus right now, but I do yeah. know that one of the things I would like to leave behind is a lot of the things I've shared with you today and a lot of my experience and stories are not codified and documented or memorialized anywhere. And I would like to be able to do that because I kind of think that as, you know, the working title for my book might be, what do I want to tell everybody before I die? <laughs> I'll come up with a better title than that. But no, I like it. I uh, like it. If I, I can read give, it. if I can give you both that book now, I know you'll <laughs> take one thing from it. And that's all, that's all that matters to me. Just take one thing. It's like when you went to um, Devin's event, you met Devin. When people go to events, they should just look to meet one person. If you meet three, that's, that's above average. If you meet five people and you stay in touch with them for the rest of your life, that's excellent. That's an excellent event. Don't go for the training, go for the community. Yeah. People are going to take you to the next level. Yeah, that's good. Don't go for the training, go for the community. That is real good. Yeah, I love that. Really good. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, we will, uh, you know, go ahead and make sure you'll get a copy of all of this so you can post it anywhere as well, too. And uh, thanks. And we'd love to bring you on again sometime, uh, whenever. So I would, I would love that. Yeah, it's been a fun, joyous Sunday morning. It's the slow down Sunday, but I've had to be, you know, put some more energy in, so I quite like it. But yeah, I'm going to slow down today. And right. uh, I'm looking forward to getting out there with my kid and having some fun in the sun. Me too. They're grabbing skateboards right now, so we're about to make that happen over here. <laughs> <laughs> Nice meeting you. Fantastic, James. Love the conversation today. Thank you, Devin. Thanks for your thoughtful questions. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, guys, you have an incredible rest of your Sunday. And we will see everybody else at the next episode. All right. See you guys. See you guys. Bye.